I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. We may be only a few weeks back to school, but already I have been contacted by many listeners asking me to talk here about school refusal. One such letter was from the parent of a student new to secondary school. This isn't their first experience of school refusal, as when they were in third class, so around 10 years old, he had also refused to go to school for most of the year. The stress of that experience was immediately triggered when he attended secondary school for three days without much comment or feedback. He seemed happy and or certainly content to go in. And then on day four, just point blank refused to go in again. He wasn't talking with his parents other than to say he wasn't going in and short of physically pulling him out of the bed, dressing him, throwing him over their shoulder and carrying him into school, they were at a loss as to what to do. And obviously you can't do that and you certainly can't do it every day. You can't drag and cajole a child in all the time. When I asked about the school refusal from a few years back, they described how he had appeared to develop a physical allergy to the idea of going to school. I was really fascinated by that, so I was curious to know more. So they explained that when he, he that he had become so anxious when they would take him in that he would break out in hives and develop recurring gastric issues like nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. At the time, they battled daily to get him in and they were referred to a child psychotherapist who he worked with for four months or five months. They weren't sure weekly during his therapy. He was able to go in for short periods and they gradually built up that time. And they said that after Christmas, he was able to go in and stay the full day. It seemed soon after that again, it seemed that it, it, it just went away and they were just so relieved that they went with it. They didn't ask any questions. What's changed? They just went with it. Now here they were. He's 13 years old. He's in the midst of a significant transition during an especially difficult time with the disruption COVID has wreaked on school in the last two years. He wanted to stay at home. The mere mention of going into school evoked tearfulness and anxiety, and he would retreat into his room and into his bed and stop talking to them altogether. He had developed again those stomach issues, and they were trying to fill the gap with home-based learning and communication with the school. But with both of them having to work, he was left to his own motivation to engage with the schoolwork, and more often than not, he retreated back to bed during school hours. At weekends, they described a more engaged and chatty young person. They spoke of the great summer they'd had as a family, lots of trips and activities, lots of laughter, and that there had been no signs of anxiety at all in him. So lots there, really, really interesting, lots of layers. Um, but this is what school refusal looks like. And so let's start with that, though. What is school refusal? School refusal is about more than not feeling like going to school the odd day or once in a while because everybody has the odd day once in a while when they just don't feel like going in. School refusal behavior in general describes describes a child, a student's absolute refusal to attend school at all. Like perhaps you can cajole and get your young person to go in, but then they have overwhelming difficulty in sustaining a full school day. So you make massive effort to get them in, but by 
the mid-morning break in school around 11 o'clock, you're getting a call from the office that they're sick and to come and pick them up. School refusal is the term used when this behavior pattern is pervasive. In other words, not once in a while, not the odd day. It's pervasive. It's most days or all days. And it's affecting almost all facets of a student's life. And the burden is not just on the young person. It also takes a huge toll on the family, on the school, you know, and the longer it goes on, the bigger that toll is. And school refusal, just again to hold it, what is it, what isn't it, because it's a term that maybe gets used inappropriately um, and overused because it is quite it is very serious when it happens. But it's not the same as skipping school or truancy, to use that word. You know, truancy is about a conscious decision to not attend school and to go somewhere else instead. There may not be any overt protest with truancy because your young person may tell you that they are going in and then divert their course. Um, They're likely to be caught because the school will let you know they weren't there. It's an unexplained absence. But their actions in this instance is not generally motivated by anxiety or fear. It's motivated by something else. It could be risk taking. It could be boundary pushing. It could be that I really wanted to go and get tickets for a concert. I really wanted to go and do something else. I just didn't want to go in. But it's not generally motivated by anxiety or fear in its truest form of truancy. School refusal is when, you know, some young people will have difficulty attending school due to stress, anxiety or fear, maybe a mixture of all of those. They can experience emotional distress and anxiety at the very thought of going to school. So it isn't just even when they're in there, it could be the idea of going in. And some young people refuse to go to school because of significant and pervasive anxiety around school. They'll often show that in physical and emotional symptoms and signs. Um, They could say things like, you know, an upset tummy, like the boy and the parent who wrote to me, headaches, disrupted sleep, changes in eating, tearfulness, even full on panic attacks. Many factors are going to contribute to school refusal. You know, maybe there are challenges at home within the family. Okay, and if there are stresses at home, perhaps tension, overt rows between parents, a pending separation or a recent separation, an unwell family member, a death, maybe addiction, maybe abuse. That level of increased stress can make it very, very difficult for a young person to ground themselves, to concentrate and to engage in school. And this lack of engagement can get them into trouble. And certainly that state of anticipatory arousal when you're in that heightened state of something's going to happen, something's going to go wrong. And you're just watching for signs that you're right to feel that way. In that heightened state of anticipatory arousal, it's very difficult to take in and process new cognitive information. So actually paying attention, focusing, taking in what's happening in class is very, very difficult for me in that state. And if being in school means getting into trouble, means that I have difficulty learning, means that I feel disconnected because I'm so consumed and distracted by home life challenges, I may well refuse to go in as an attempt to manage that stress for myself. 
Maybe one of the factors is something to do with the school environment. The culture and environment of school is really, really important. I recall another young person telling me that she had experienced significant bullying from boys a year or two above her in school within the first six weeks of starting second level school. The school had advised her, you know, she went to them and to her year head, to her parents. And the school had advised her just, oh, just ignore them. They'll get bored and, you know, they're just going to get bored of harassing you and name calling you and we'll all move on. The reality is those boys did not bore easily. And this was frankly an inadequate response to her situation. That harassment she experienced continued daily between September and December, and she associated it with the culture of the school. It was her first experience in this school, and it went on daily for months. So she thought, well, this is this school has a culture of harassment and of bullying. And given the adults didn't intervene on her behalf, who could blame her for thinking that? Her parents escalated the matter to the board of management of the school, and the boys in question were held accountable ultimately. But you know what? It was too late, and she never saw settled into school because she didn't trust the teachers and she felt unsafe and disconnected emotionally from the school community. Her school refusal was heightened and significant and it lasted years. Feeling emotionally connected with teachers has a strong influence on learning outcomes. You might remember I spoke about that on a previous episode. It's actually back on the May 21st episode this year, 2021. So you can find that back in the archives if that idea is of interest to you, because I really think we should invest in emotional connection within the school community to strengthen and enhance learning outcomes. I think it's really good for for teenagers in particular, but children in general to feel a close connection with their teachers. The other area um, where we see factors that can contribute to school refusal are personal issues. If your young person was already vulnerable to emotional stress and struggles with their mental health, they may especially struggle with functioning in the school environment. Transitions are another thing we have to watch for because transitions are a peak time for this to spike. So, you know, starting a new school, uh, moving house, changing schools, anything like that is going even going into a new year where there's increased demands. Anything that is a a time of transition is a peak time for this. So we would always suggest giving time for natural adjustment wobbles, you know, kind of give four to six weeks for some. I don't like this. This isn't what I want, but I am coping. It's just really hard. School refusal at the level we're talking about will linger beyond any typical period of transition and any typical level of struggle. It is over and above. The first challenge is to try, difficult as it is, and I do acknowledge it's difficult, to establish the root cause and trigger for the school refusal. Might it be something to do with the school environment, the crowds, the noises, the many, many transitions in second level school between subjects and classrooms during the day? If it is something like bullying or harassment, report and act on this in the first instance and take this very seriously because it is a serious issue. Might it be the social aspect of school, you know, like managing interactions with peers, making friends, knowing where to locate myself at break time, being able to engage in banter with other kids my age. In this instance, could the school arrange for a buddy to meet them at the school gate or just a little bit further out so it's not so obvious and walk with them to their locker, stay with them until first bell and just ease that initial transition in for a period of time? 
Might it be about needing more connection with parents or using overt behavior to say something they cannot find words to communicate with you otherwise? What is this behavior trying to tell you? The approach to school refusal needs to be a collaborative one, as this is not something you're going to manage to deal with alone. Speak to the school. Speak in the first instance that you're having a problem with this. Start with your year head and perhaps the principal if that's warranted or needed, or if you're talking about primary school, you might go straight to the teacher and principal on this and ask if they have a school refusal action plan or protocol in place. Yours, I assure you, will not be the first instance of school refusal your school has ever seen. And a number of schools have developed very proactive positive school refusal protocols. This is what we do when school refusal shows itself. Consult with your GP and seek a referral to child and adolescent mental health services for additional supports. Tell your child that you see and hear how they are struggling and that you are committed to supporting them through and beyond this place. Let them know what actions you're taking as encouraging them to be an active part of the collaborative approach can be helpful if they're up to it. So it's not like, oh, here's all the grown ups and they're making a plan and they're going to make it better for you. But if your teenager is up for it and capable of it, involve them, even if your child is 11, 12 in that tween years, if they're very young in school refusal, it may well be that the grown ups need to take a more active role. Remove home distractions that might make school refusal more appealing. In other words, like things like gaming devices during school hours, you know, no, you, you should be at school, you should be doing schoolwork so you don't get to sit at home and play games all day. Set some structure for at-home learning and ask for assignments to be sent home to prevent them falling back because I know that's a very real concern for parents. Yes, I want to focus on the emotional impact and the behavioral impact, but I also have to be mindful that my child is falling behind in school. What are we going to do about it? You will get them caught up. It is really important to get the emotional base very steady and work with that okay but certainly look for assignments to be sent home and set realistic goals with your young person with them not for them so you agree together that they will aim to get to school three half days per week okay and don't push it oh you got on grand are you sure you don't want to stay for the rest of the day take the three half days and do that for maybe a week or two I'd, I'd certainly go to even three weeks at that pace. Extend this gradually to one full day and two half days and then upwards over a period of weeks. If they manage two full days and two half days per week, but when you then increase it, they struggle and they start to disengage again. You know, when it becomes three full days, pause, go back to when it was working and hold there for a longer time. Your child going in for half a week is better than none of the week. See if there is something in school that would support connection within the community. You know, a sports club, a debating club, a drama club, an art club, whatever societies or clubs or sports teams that your school might have on offer that's going to deepen the connection within school community and also connect me with other kids in my year who have shared interest with me that I may not have met or gotten to know in my form class. And support your young person with organization of timetable, workload, sit down, color code it, break it down, talk it out, because actually when I feel organized and structured, that's going to help me to feel more stable and safe.
Acceptance is key. Acceptance. I know this is hard for you. And empathy. I'm sorry that you are struggling. Blending in some calm consistency. We will work this out together. You are not alone in this. And praising efforts over outcome. I am proud that you got up and dressed for school and we got to the gate. This is a great start and I know it was hard for you. Tomorrow we'll go at it again and we're going to aim for the school building. I'm with you. Organizations such as Parentline.ie and other parent support organizations can offer support to you as a parent as you work through this situation, because it is really tough on parents as well. But I also think and emphasize again, it is worthwhile going through your GP, seeking a referral to child and adolescent mental health services and ensuring that you work collaboratively with your school and young person on getting through this. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-minute parenting.